On February 9th, 2013, in Mackay, Queensland, Australia, Shandy Blackburn, age 23, was ambushed in a vicious attack mere steps away from her home while walking home from work. I'm Jelsey May, and this is Exhibit May. It's one of Queensland's most chilling cold cases. A young woman stabbed to death in Mackay, metres from home. A new podcast will bring the unsolved murder out of the shadows to unravel the question, who killed Shandy Blackburn? February 8th, 2013 was a warm Saturday evening with a light breeze as the town of Mackay entered its last weeks of summer. On the Coral Sea coast of Queensland, Australia, Mackay was located about 970 kilometers north of Brisbane. South of the town sat a popular club called Harrop Park Country Club, where 23-year-old Shandy Renee Blackburn was wrapping up her seven-hour shift from 5 p.m. to midnight. Spotted on surveillance footage, she exited the premises just after midnight, sporting a casual look with her hair tied up in a loose bun secured by a headband. Her attire included an oversized black polo shirt complemented by black bell-bottom pants and matching shoes. Over her left shoulder, she carried a large cream-colored purse with a distinctive silver skull embellishment. Alone in the dark, Shandy strolled down the eerily quiet, dimly lit streets toward home as she texted her boyfriend, Aaron Macklin. Finally finished, baby. Walking home now. How was your night? But with the late hour, Aaron had already drifted off to sleep, resulting in no response. The 16-minute journey to her townhome, which she shared with her mom, Vicky, was captured on CCTV cameras. Unbeknownst to Shandy, a mysterious figure rustled in a bush across Juliet Street as captured on camera footage. When a car passed by, the figure retreated back into the foliage. As Shandy turned the corner onto Boddington Street, unaware of the danger lurking in the darkness, the figure suddenly sprang forward and sprinted toward her. After Shandy walked out of view of the camera, she was unexpectedly attacked with a large knife less than a block away from her house. Within seconds, she sustained 23 stab wounds across various areas, including her neck, head, and chest. On the right side of her throat was a 3.5 centimeter stab wound that had severed a major vein before penetrating her voice box, leaving her unable to call for help. Shortly after, the figure was captured on camera again, swiftly retreating in the direction it had come from, fleeing the scene and disappearing. A taxi driver, Jasprant Pander, who struggled with his English, witnessed the altercation and placed a distressing emergency call to triple zero. A person was hit by another person. Like a, like a, a driving a vehicle or are they having a fight? No, they're having a fight, but someone grabbed the bag from the lady and hit the lady. I think the lady is in critical condition, so need emergency. Okay, roger that. Concerned neighbor Ringo Tapim heard her unusual coughs and gurgling sounds, glanced outside, called out to her, and rushed to her side. I was pretty much laying in the lounge room with um, my partner and watching TV at the time uh, until I heard some coughing, coughing and gagging sort of noises 
uh, the first noise I heard, nah, the, because people walk past here all the time, and then the second noise I heard, that's when I got up and I walked out to the balcony. As I, as I slid the door open, I could see, I could see Shandy crossing the road and she was crossing from that corner, but that, that street light was not, it was, it was all dark. She was sort of holding her gut, uh, same time sort of holding her mouth because I think that's when all the, she was sort of bleeding. She was hunched over. She was hunched over like she was halfway, and she was walking to like pretty much straight to where this light is. Kept coming and she was sort of like dropping, dropping, and she's like gripping now, she's gripping up to the gutter. And then that's when she dropped, pretty much dropped right there before the gutter and then lifted her head and faced it to the servo, faced it left. But by that time, I've already run downstairs with the phone. Upon seeing her severe stab wounds, he quickly dialed emergency services. Ambulance, hey, what is the town or suburb of your emergency? Ah, uh, fucking south, just up the road, Boddington Street, just up the road from the Maccas. I don't know where you are, sir. What suburb or town are you in? Uh, Mackay. Okay, what's the exact address, sir? Uh, 9 Boddington Street. Holy fuck, man, you just sent someone, there's a chick fucking laying in the gutter, man. Sir, I, sir, gutter, like sir, sir, I need you to concentrate on what I'm saying so we can help this lady. Fucked up here, bro. Sir, can you please talk to me rather than your mate so we can get her some help? Please talk yes. to me. Tell me exactly what's happened with her. Yeah, I'm right next to her now. You are? Okay, how old is she? How old is she, sir? Oh, man. She looks young. Approximate age? Like, I'm going to just guess that 25 to 30 age. She had All right. Is she awake? No. Is she, she breathing, sir? She doesn't look like she's breathing at all, man. Sir, confirm for me. Is she breathing? No, she ain't breathing at all. Is Don't there a defibrillator the available? No, no, not at all, not at all. Okay, all right, right I've organised the paramedics to help you. Just stay on the line. I'm going to tell you exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah, to yeah. do next. Okay? 
blood is pouring out of her mouth, don't say. Okay, clean out her mouth and nose. I need you to clean do that now. Clean out her mouth and nose. Clean out her mouth and nose, Clean it out. Here's the ammo now. Oh my god! Yeah, Let me know when they're right with no, me, okay? They're, 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 they're pulling up right now. Come on, come on! Right, so you've cleaned out her mouth and nose? She's fucking gone, man. Is she breathing, Ringo? The guys are with her now. The old mob's with them. With the paramedics are with her? So Ringo, we got to do so. We got to do something, and that's when Dad, like Dave, went down next to her, and Dave grabbed her and picked her up on the side, not realizing that I think his finger went into that fucking hole. Sorry, that hole in the side of her neck, um, and then he sort of got a, got a shock, so he sort of let go, and then as he turned her over, and and what he was doing, I was telling the guys on the the, the Ambos, the Triple O. Um, exactly what he was doing. Uh, he, had, he, I know he'd done a couple of presses on her chest. He blew into her mouth and yeah, uh, uh, it was just dead yeah, blood and stuff coming out. So like uh, when I was there with her, like when I was, I was saying to the ambulance people, she's got to hurry up, she hasn't moved. And then that's when I seen the pool of blood just coming out to the left of her and stuff. So that was all around there. I was like, oh shit, she's got, and that's when I sort of backed up a bit. And I think that's when the ambulance, we could hear sirens out there everywhere. And then they pulled up. As her breaths grew shallow, paramedics arrived at the scene at 12.26 AM. Clara Carroll, an 18-year-old nursing student, arrived in an ambulance with her mentor paramedic Chris Langridge and fellow student paramedic Stuart Gibson. Kneeling in the gutter, Claire positioned Shandy onto her back while Stuart located a weak and rapid pulse. Despite their attempts to clear her airway, every time they tried to ventilate Shandy with air, it would escape through the wound in her neck. Chris cut away her shirt to apply defibrillation pads while Claire began performing forceful and vigorous chest compressions. In the midst of this, Claire uncovered more stab wounds on Shandy's chest and the compressions applied inadvertently caused them to reopen. At 12.37 a.m., Shandy was barely holding onto life and was transported into an ambulance. During the frantic six-minute journey to the hospital, paramedics sustained heart massages and administered a shot of adrenaline. On February 9th at 12.50 a.m., Shandy was declared dead at the hospital, yet the medical team continued with resuscitation efforts for 12 minutes following her passing. As the night progressed, detectives began combing through the area surrounding the crime scene, scouring the grounds and gutters for evidence. We'll do all the grass, we'll do one big sweep around the gutter, man. Oh, yeah. We'll end up doing that gutter all the way down the street. People that have heard of disturbance walked out, I've just seen her stumbling and fall on the ground. Um, time is 4.32 a.m. on Saturday, the 9th of February. PCC Grey. 
going off at number. What number are we going to? Five of twenty-one. At 4.32 a.m., Officer Belinda Gregg, accompanied by Detective Sergeant Anthony Cowan, arrived at 21 Boddington Street to deliver the unfortunate news to Shandy's mom, Vicky, and her partner, Paul Beardmore. Upon hearing pounding at her door, Vicky staggered downstairs, dazed and was taken aback by presence of officers. Her heart immediately raced as she thought about her youngest daughter, Shandy. Oh, what is it? What is it? Shady? Just seen, there's been a, uh, an accident tonight, and we believe she's <laughs> Recorded by the police, an agonized Vicky wailed upon receiving the tragic news of her daughter's passing. <laughs> what, what do we do now? Oh, we, we want to find out who suspects may be. And, uh, in the morning, we'll be... They've killed her. She's passed, she's passed away. Detectives didn't hesitate and began their inquiry by questioning them about Shandy's dating history. She doesn't have any ex boyfriends or anything? Yeah, yeah, she has. Yeah. She's got an issue. Yeah. John, this last one, he was just going here. He's nasty. And his name's John? Yeah. I don't believe it. She can't. While the couple was certain it wasn't her current boyfriend, Aaron Macklin, whom she had been dating for a few months, suspicions fell on her ex, John Puros. He sent her. He sent her to see. Yeah, he's got issues. They were having problems. Do you know if she has any contact with him any longer? No, she did for a while, but I think that's all stopped. Has there been any and there mustn't be any, anything that's come up since their breakup. John and Shandy met in 2011, and throughout their relationship of just under a year, Shandy often stayed at his house just a short 750-meter stroll from her mom's townhome around the corner and down the street. Of Greek descent, John had dark features and a tall and wiry build. He was an elite athlete with a remarkable skill as an amateur boxer known for his powerful punches. While his family and friends portrayed him as gentle, caring, and fiercely loyal, Vicky and Paul stated that he was highly unpleasant, describing their relationship as intense, all-consuming love tainted by jealousy and toxic rage. Shandy had moved forward from her past relationships, but she openly admitted to having cheated on some of her ex-boyfriends. This admission weighed heavily on John, who struggled with severe trust issues. Despite Shandy's earnest request for him to avoid dwelling on her past and to trust her, John found it challenging to shake off his suspicions about her faithfulness. This led the couple to ultimately part ways in mid-2012. However, navigating life in the same town post-breakup proved exceedingly challenging, prompting John to arrange for Shandy to relocate approximately 1,000 kilometers south to the Gold Coast. John even went as far as paying financial support to ensure she maintained her distance. With all this information, a group of homicide detectives arrived at John's residence on Sunday, February 10th, around 2 p.m., just over 36 hours after Shandy was declared dead. Upon opening the door, a nervous John welcomed them in and invited them to take a seat on the couch for a conversation. 
He recounted what he did on Friday, February 8th and mentioned fishing and attending a barbecue. He admitted his memory was a bit fuzzy, suggesting he likely returned home to sleep afterward, but couldn't be certain. On Saturday the 9th, he detailed visiting the harbor for a run, taking a swim, and going for a drive. He denied any involvement in Shandy's murder, but acknowledged the turbulent history of the relationship. Although he agreed to surrender his cell phone, John firmly refused to offer a voluntary DNA sample. Following that interview, he stopped responding to any further inquiries about his relationship with Shandy. And 13 days later, he boarded a plane and flew to Brisbane to meet with a criminal defense lawyer. Back in Mackay on February 14th, the police received information that a white Toyota Hilux, possibly identical to John's vehicle, appeared in other CCTV footage near the crime scene six minutes before Shandy's slaying and on the highway shortly after. With this lead, the police obtained a crime scene warrant to legally seize and search John's four-wheel drive Toyota Hilux while he was still in Brisbane consulting a solicitor. The vehicle was thoroughly searched, photographed, fingerprinted, and treated with luminol, a chemical used to detect potential blood traces. To compare with previous CCTV footage, the car was driven past the same cameras at night to check for identical appearances which matched precisely. However, they couldn't identify the registration number and were unable to say whether it was in fact the same car. Ten days later, pictures of the white vehicle were released by the police who believed that the occupant or occupants might have information to assist in the murder investigation. Days turned into months and the case hit a stall. Over a year had passed since Shandy's murder and the police needed more help and announced a $250,000 reward for any information that could lead to identifying and convicting the killer. Among numerous phone calls received, one caller in particular reached out to Crime Stoppers and claimed to have seen that vehicle at the Girl Guide Hut on Juliet Street on the night in question, about 25 minutes before Shandy was attacked. Seen on CCTV footage, that person then ran across Juliet Street through a vacant lot leading to Boddington Street where Shandy was found. A short time later, the person was seen running back across Juliet Street towards a furniture store before disappearing. I brought you into this room because the investigation's been going for about 18 months and you're probably a bit confused about what's been going on and what your involvement is and you haven't heard much from us, uh, you haven't spoken to us much. But uh, the reason we're here today is that I'm going to show you some information. Now that's the reason that that's been compiled, it actually shows real-time movements that have been worked out down to the second of, uh, of the victim walking in that vehicle of interest as route of travel and uh, we believe that the, the, that the murderer was actually in that in the vehicle and pulled into that side street and uh, as I said to you we also believe that vehicle's your vehicle um, so that's that's that information there so I'd implore you to have a look at it and I'd invite you later on uh, I wish to, have a look at that to, to put that into your brain process it see uh, see Make sure you can make an informed decision, basically. I don't intend to question you at all, okay? I've told you that. I'm not questioning you. I'm not asking you anything. Um, you asked you ask Lisa what, what it was. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I wish you what, uh, what this investigation 
uh, has has found. And these bits of footage here, as you can see, that the, the, the vehicle travels down the side alleyway there. I don't know if you can see that. That's your vehicle. Like I said, the officer, I'm not looking up at all. I don't wish to look at TV screen. Okay, this is. Yeah. Well, I'm just helping you make a informed decision, John. I'm helping you make a decision. Well, I've had enough of harassment. Okay, well, I'm not trying to harass you, mate. Well, it's, uh, look it's, where I am. The police, the look police have the right to me. investigate offences, okay? Well, why is harassing me, showing me? John, John, I'm not harassing you. To this well, is part I, of the I, investigation I, 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 that we've conducted. We've just compiled it here so that you can see it. I don't wish to see anything, like I said to you. I it's the first time I'm placing you under arrest. You're going to put me in jail? Yes. I'm already in jail. Correct. Now you've been arrested and accused of the murder. Accused, did you say? Okay. Been accused just a third time. Well, now you're being going to be officially charged with the murder. Okay. You'll also be charged with the uh, armed robbery of Shandy Blackburn on that night. Like I said, do you wish to speak to my legal representation? On September 4th, 2014, ex-boyfriend John Piros was arrested and charged for the murder of Shandy Blackburn. The next day, he appeared at Brisbane Magistrates Court to address the charges of murder and robbery. The brief hearing, spanning about 30 seconds, resulted in his remand in custody for a forthcoming committal hearing in Mackay on October 9th. The committal hearing initially postponed eventually took place starting on February 15, 2016. During the proceedings, 400 statements were presented. Notably, the focus centered on the white Toyota Hilux captured on CCTV within the vicinity of where Shandy spent her final moments alive. On February 25th, just 10 days later, John Puros professed his innocence in court following his commitment to stand trial for his former girlfriend's case. Just over a year later, on March 20th, 2017, the two-week Supreme Court murder trial began. Crown Prosecutor Joshua Phillips presented the jury with a letter that John had written a year before Shandy was killed. The letter titled, 30 Things I Don't Like About Shandy Blackburn, detailed accusations against his former partner of cheating and denying him sex. Recovered at the crime scene was Shandy's iPhone 3, which also contained hundreds of text messages between her and John that revealed a toxic and abusive relationship in the year before her slaying. A witness even recalled a time John made a statement about wanting to stab Shandy. During the trial, William Daniel, another suspect, faced questioning after allegedly confessing to a friend about Shandy's murder. He later retracted, stating he made up the confession for attention. Although John's defense team asserted William's initial statement was truthful, he was ultimately excluded as a perpetrator. During the trial, more evidence linking John was introduced, but nothing directly linked him to the murder. Ultimately, on April 8, 2017, after deliberating for just under two hours, the jury found John Peros not guilty of murder.
On August 21st, 2020, Coroner David O'Connell delivered his conclusions, affirming that John was accountable for Shandy's murder despite being acquitted three years earlier. Throughout the investigation and trial, concerns were raised regarding the protocols followed in Queensland's forensics testing laboratory. This prompted Shandy's mother, Vicky, to advocate reopening the coronial inquiry, which began in February 2022, giving newfound hope to the unsolved case. The mother of murdered Mackay woman, Shandy Blackburn, is calling for a fresh investigation into the state's forensic lab and its new boss. The Premier is backing the top scientist, who's accused of misleading an inquiry. Vicky Blackburn is still desperate for answers over the murder of her daughter Shandy in 2013. I've been in tears on and off since, since this was released. It was forensic scientist Dr Kirsty Wright who raised the alarm on a robotic DNA testing technique, calling the extraction method a catastrophic failure and blaming it for failing to identify Shandy's killer. How was that project allowed to go ahead? The new lab boss is now also under the microscope. Professor Lindsay Wilson-Wilde accused of failing to detail the significant testing flaws, including a trial known as Project 13 at the Commission of Inquiry. I believe that project was flawed from the beginning. The professor has the government's support. Both the health minister and attorney general have praised her work. The premier is also standing by her. Uh, yes. Dr Wright estimates 60,000 cases will need to be retested from between 2007 and 2016, in addition to another 30,000 cases already in line for retesting. As for finally catching Shandy's killer... It depends on DNA's left arrival. The chances are not great. My heart is just breaks for, for Shandy. And thousands of other families. Both Shandy's purse and the weapon used in the slaying were missing from the crime scene, yet neither of these items has ever been found. To this day, no one has been convicted of Shandy Blackburn's murder. For the past 10 years, Vicky has devoted herself to pursuing justice for her daughter. After the tragic event, she vowed that Shandy's passing wouldn't be meaningless and has remained determined to ensure something positive will emerge from the tragedy. Balancing a full-time job, she has attended multiple court dates and advocated for crucial changes within Queensland's justice system. In June of 2022, an investigation into deficiencies within Queensland's forensic testing lab was initiated, leading to a substantial restructuring of DNA testing protocols. It is hard. Part of me just wants to pack up and just go somewhere else. But I would feel like I'm leaving Shandy, deserting Shandy, and I think I need to be here until we find out who did this. If you have any information that may help solve this case, please contact Crime Stoppers Australia anonymously at the toll-free number 1-800-333-000. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate the show, and follow me on Instagram at Exhibit May Podcast. 